0: The Florida Gators have officially signed the 2024 signing class here on this early signing day. Tonight, we recap everything that went on during the day. We preview what the class looks like for next year, and we grade it out. If Billy Napier and the Gators, have they done enough to regain elite status? This is the In All Kinds Weather Forecast. welcome in to another episode of the in all kinds of weather forecast happy early signing day depending on who you ask it is happy or maybe not so happy or maybe a little bit in the middle we'll talk about that tonight but welcome in gator nation today is december 20th 2023 here in the heart of gator nation and you know i'll just at least say this we did sign dj lagway we did sign lj mccray No drama there, less drama this year. All of the letters of intent of committed players have been faxed in officially to the Gators' office. We know drama like we had with Jaden Rashada last year. And we also announced an additional transfer today into the program, bringing the total to 22 players, 18 from high school and four from the transfer portal. And actually, one of the 18 was a junior college uh, transfer in Brian Taylor so a solid numbers haul for the Florida Gators although it has fallen to number 15 or number 16 in the rankings depending on where you look on three or two four seven right now as of one point we were the number three team in the country for all of recruiting. So we'll get into all of that tonight before that, though, want to shout out in allkindsweather.com/slash merch. Go ahead and buy some of that merch tonight for your family for Christmas right around the corner. Neil is sporting it right there, as you can see on screen. Get those hoodies, those long sleeves, as it's starting to get a little bit chilly outside, depending on where you are in the country. Sport that hat, as Neil is showing kit there. And then also, I think he's going to bring the water cup. Yeah, the water cup or the beer cup. Maybe tonight you need to it's pour, a pour yourself glass. a cold one. A, a pint glass. glass. All right. So you got a pint glass, pour yourself a pint of beer and toast to uh, signing LJ McRae and DJ Lagway and or, you know, you drink your sorrows away if if you're a little upset about the flips of Amaris Mims or Amaris Williams uh, today. So, all right, let's get into it. Early signing day. Recap really quick. Started with no drama whatsoever. We got in the first facts of the day from linebacker Miles Graham, who actually and and signed his letter yesterday, but couldn't officially fax it in. But he was the first one to get it in, just like he was the first person to commit to the class in August of 2022. Before Billy Napier had even had a game played on the field as, with him as the head coach. He committed to this program, remained committed to this program, and the Gator legacy was the first to ink that today. We actually then had the one of the recent additions to the class, Brian Taylor, faxed his in a few minutes later. Then followed by Amir Jackson, international star, Noel Portanyagin, Jure Hawkins, star receiver, speedy receiver coming from IMG. The Gators are able to ink another IMG player this cycle. Then that's when one of the transfers finally followed in, and Brendan Crenshaw Dixon, offensive tackle out of San Diego State, Josiah Josiah Davis, Aaron Childs, who was yesterday was named the, the best player in the state of Maryland, Not to be confused with what Florida State Twitter accounts been putting out fake news there. But Aaron Childs is the best player in Maryland, voted on by his state. And he is coming to the Florida Gators as a linebacker. Excited to have him. Florida, about a half an hour later, got Fletcher Westfall to sign his letter of intent. Rated as the highest uh, four-star offensive tackle coming into the class. Excited to see what he can do there. Teddy Foster, and inked his a half an hour later, followed by Joey Slackman, another defensive line commitment. Kanan and Daniels, Daniels. And then that's when things started to brew a little bit. There was some reports that LJ McRae possibly was going to flip or look, or not, at least not signed with the Gators today. He was going to take his commitment into, into January and February. Fortunately, that was not the case. He announced about two hours ago and officially signed into the class as the afternoon went on, though, Marcus Mascal uh, did sign his Mike Williams Trickweezy bridges. within uh, that afternoon is when we saw the flip of our Darius Hayes and Amaris Williams flipping uh, Hayes flipping to Miami, Williams flipping to Auburn, which dropped the class out of the top ten. Uh, and at that point, Florida had all of their players signed. And we did get a surprise commitment, a silent commitment off his visit. Chimiri Dyke, ex-teammate with Graham Mertz, who put up nearly 700 yards and six touchdowns in 2022 while Graham Mertz was the quarterback in his final season there, joined the Florida Gators. And as I mentioned, DJ and LJ were the last two that officially signed. And actually, DJ had his letter signed much earlier in the day. He just waited until the ceremony to make it official. But all the guys out there trying to make clickbait out of if he was going to flip, yes, there were teams that were trying to get him to flip. But he was committed to the Gators all along. So Neil, in many ways, it wasn't an eventful early signing day. At least I don't feel like it was. I think everything that we thought was going to happen happened. We saw the flips that were going to happen. Isaiah Williams was the one I, I did mention. He flipped to Texas A and maybe that was the, to be honest, maybe the biggest surprise because I think a lot of people thought he was going to stick. But by and large, what happened today was what we expected. It was pretty much chalk.
1: Yeah, I mean, chalk held. I don't know that you can say it was a good signing day just because there were no bad surprises. Just because you know bad things are going to happen doesn't make it any less bad of a signing day. But at least there was no calamity that bit Florida today. Like L.J. McCray stuck. Had he not signed with the Gators, that would have been an absolute grease fire upon the program. That didn't happen. We got him. Had had the smoke, had the clickbait about DJ Lagway been real, like let's say that those rumors were legitimate and he was flirting with AM and USC and we lost him, like that's that's the kind of thing that if that happened, you just fire Napier today and say, "Screw it, we'll get a new coach for 2024. We'll start our search in mid-December." Like that's how bad that would have been. It didn't happen. We kept him. We got our two most prized recruits across the finish line. For all else that went bad today, expected or not. Whether you want to say we expected Isaiah Williams to, to flip away, whether you're, whether you want to call Xavier Filsame a signing day loss or just a loss. Cause he was supposedly going to wait until today to make his decision. He couldn't contain himself and made his decision known on Monday night, but we'll talk about the class as a whole. We'll talk about the signing day as a whole, I guess more, but I guess you have to distinguish between the signing day itself and the class as a whole. And as far as the signing day goes, as far as the time between we woke up this morning and when we're going to sleep tonight goes, or a Wednesday, for those of you listening beyond Wednesday, as far as that goes, it could have been a lot worse, for sure.
0: Absolutely. could have been a lot worse, but fortunately, doomsday did not happen. The flips that we had anticipated happened, that we predicted on the in all kinds of weather recruiting handle did come to fruition. But Florida did end up signing – 17 high school players, one JUCO, and four transfers. And we're not done in the portal, as Billy Napier said in his press conference a little over an hour ago, that we are going to continue to pursue players in the portal to fill positions of need, holes that have been left over from the recruiting class. But let's get down into the numbers of that recruiting class. We're kind of breaking down the talent, the needs that were addressed, the overall grades, and then where Florida has got to go in order to fill some of those holes, where maybe we can start getting it in the transfer portal. So, We'll start at the top, the top two players in the country, top two, top 10, actually top six players in the country. If you go by 247's rankings, that's DJ Lagway and LJ McCray, DJ, the number four player, LJ, the number six player on two, four, seven, both also in the top 10 on on three, five stars. Florida didn't get a five star commitment in the last class, so Florida gets an elite signal caller. Arguably the best quarterback, maybe best player in the country in DJ Lagway. He was the Max Preps player of the year and is in consideration for the Gatorade player of the year. So elite, elite company. If you go back and look at who's won those awards before, those are guys that have won the Heisman Trophy, that have been drafted into the first round of the NFL draft. That is an elite company to be in. And he is going to be our signal caller, and he's going to get an opportunity to wait in the wings and develop behind Graham Mertz in his final year of college before hopefully taking the reins in 2025. LJ McCray fits a huge need on right now. Pass rush, we all saw last year, struggled mightily. But as we also saw, guys like TJ Searcy, Kelby Collins made a difference off the edge early in their freshman year and their freshman year. And LJ McCray certainly at 6X, 260 pounds, could fit that bill. Then we get down into the next level and that's Miles Graham and Aaron Charles. We did lose a Darius Hayes to Miami, but we still lined two top. We got two top 100 linebackers in the class and Aaron Childs and Miles Graham, two guys that are going to have an opportunity to contribute early in their careers at Florida. Amir Jackson, a top 100 tight end, by far the highest rated tight end that Billy Napier has landed yet at the University of Florida. Adds to the future of that room, that 6'4", 223 body, real fast, can go up and get the ball. Could he be that next Kyle Pitts, as we all hope for at the University of Florida? Then Fletcher Westfall, the headliner of the offensive line class. I think we'll talk a lot about offensive line as maybe that area of we need more elite players at that position. But Fletcher Westfall, a borderline top 100 composite player, four-star guy out of Virginia, his family moving down to Florida. Huge get there on the offensive line. Can he contribute in his first year? Big body, 6'8", 335 pounds, already has the size to compete in the SEC. As you go down in the offensive line class, we also have a guy like Marcus Mascall. Highly rated three-star player. Had an offer from LSU. Florida beat them out for him earlier this past cycle. You also have a guy like Norm Portenjagin. Got him from Germany. SEC schools like South Carolina and Auburn were chasing him as well. Three-star guy. We don't really know the ceiling of him quite yet. Projects as more of an interior player. But we'll have to see when he gets to campus. Certainly, the videos of seeing him flip, do backflips at his at his day uh, his tryout days at Florida and other schools shows that he's an athletic guy. But will it translate to the football field? That remains to obviously be seen. Mike Williams, another offensive lineman in the class, the lowest rated player in here, but at one point was committed to South Carolina, another SEC school. 6'7", 310 pounds, has the body to play outside. Will he be able to be developed at Florida is certainly the question. The running back room. Florida gained a commitment today in Jaden Baugh, beating out Alabama for the four-star prospect, 6'1", 215 pounds. A solid get for the Gators. Florida needed to get another running back after they had lost Chauncey Bowens early in the cycle to Georgia. And also, of course, the unfortunate news of Trevor Etienne deciding to enter the transfer portal. We needed to add another body to the class, and we got him. Thunder and lightning with... Kane and Daniels out of West Point, Mississippi, one of the earlier commitments in the class, another four-star running back who had a stellar season, another 2,000-yard season on the ground in Mississippi, capping it with a state title. The receiver room, Jere Hawkins, Tawaski Abrams, two guys closely rated there in the top 300. Jere Hawkins, another IMG player, as I mentioned earlier, a, a real speedster that has made impact both in special teams and on offense, and... Tawaski Abrams, a similar player, coming out of Dunbar High School down at Fort Myers. Basically, these guys are pretty much 1A, 1B of what they are. But on that five, 5, between 5'9", 5'11", 165 to 175 pounds. Just real speedsters added to the room that can maybe make an impact at the slot position. Safety room. Two safeties did join. Oh, we had two safeties join the class today Josiah Davis, three star out of Georgia, who had been committed for a long time. And we gained the commitment of Gregory Smith, the third out of Riverview, Florida, just right down the road from me here in Sumner High School. Guy that has a high ceiling, 6'4, 200 pounds, and certainly could flash and speed. And the cornerback room, one commitment there. Teddy Foster out of Sarasota, Florida. 6'2", 170 pounds, a three-star player. So, that's the 17 guys, Neil. What do you think, I guess by the numbers, we've got two five-stars, we've got five top 100 players, Uh, the majority of the class is blue chippers once again. Overall, what are your impressions of the class when you break it down like that?
1: Well, you say the class is mostly blue chippers. Um, I guess that depends on the site that you want to trust. Some sites will have guys like Mike Williams and Josiah Davis and, you know, Jaden Baugh and Teddy Foster, all as three stars. And, you know, M- Mekhi Barrow, Marcus Maskell, Nolan, Nolan, uh, Noel Portanyagin uh, I guess Gregory Smith could all turn out to be good players, but that's kind of where you get into the question mark of, well, yeah, you did sign some elite players. You got the best offensive player in the country, probably in DJ Lagway. I happen to think he is better than Dylan Rayola because of his running ability. But, and, and you got one of the best defensive players in the country, too, in LJ McCray. And you got some certified ballers. You got Miles Graham. I happen to think he could produce like a five star, he's not that far off from that ranking. I'm high on Fletcher Westfall and what he can do. I think Aaron Childs is a very good linebacker pickup in this class. I think that um, Amir Jackson is a is a good tight end from a pass-catching perspective, especially. He can definitely get a little, little bit better as a blocker maybe, but, I mean, he's he's a weapon in the passing game, so that that was good. Um, Jure Hawkins, Kenan Daniels, I like TJ Abrams, I like all those guys, but that's kind of where you, you end with the list of – clear-cut, blue-chip, can't-miss, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Texas, USC, Notre Dame, Clemson, Auburn, all FSU, Miami, LSU, all offered him types of guys. So again, it's it's the same theme as last year. We signed some elite talent, for sure. We signed some players that Alabama, Georgia, and the rest of them would kill for. We just didn't sign enough of them. And that's going to be something I'm sure we'll talk about as the, as the off season goes along with the need that it's created in the portal because we didn't get enough guys that we really could have used, but that's the synopsis.
0: Yeah. It, I think it's very incomplete. You know, I, I think the staff did a good job. Stop. They did a good job stopping the bleeding at certain positions, like getting Brian Taylor, a solid pass rusher is better than not getting any replacement for a guy like Armaris Williams right you know you go into the portal and you get a guy like Terquizi Bridges who could play safety or play corner or play the nickel position and it's a it's not a one for one for for Xavier Filsami but it's somebody that has college experience was an all Pac12 uh, 13 player it's a, it's somebody with experience that at least you're left with not left with nothing a guy like Joey Slackman Bring in that interior defensive lineman that outside of Michael Barrow, we we did not sign in this class. Uh, Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, offensive tackle, guy that has played three years at both sides of the line of scrimmage. So it's it's the the staff did already address some of the holes. I think what we saw because you know like like I said we lost Isaiah Williams earlier, but we bring in Chimery Dyke. A guy who has already proven he can play at the power five level. I mean, a guy like Dyke is going to make an impact next year, whereas a guy like Williams probably not. So at least we're replacing some of these recruits with guys that probably will make an impact next year. How much of an impact? That remains to be seen. But I think you're right in that this is a class that is just incomplete overall, where once again, we're top heavy. We have a lot of quality, but not enough quantity. And you look at the top teams in college football right now that are bringing in the top classes. Georgia, 28 commitments. 28. I mean, that's, that's stellar. That's what you need in order to be an elite program. Alabama, 25 commitments. Miami, 27 commitments. Ohio State, 21. You go down the list, Oregon, 25. I mean, that is what we're competing against right now. Florida, 18. In fact, if you actually look at the entire top 20, Florida outside of South Carolina has the lowest amount of high school commitments. It it's it I'm a little I'm just a little concerned because we're not we're not having the opportunity to develop players within the program. And then you have to go the transfer portal route every single year. And it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always pan out for guys. So there's a risk in that. And I think there's a hybrid approach to this. But right now, Florida on signing day seems has continuously come up short for some of the elite players. And at one point, we had an elite class. We had a number three rated class. If the class that we had in September held today, it would be a top five class, which is exactly what we said after the Florida State game, Billy Napier had to do. So it is a shame that that's happened, but. Neil, I mean, I guess let's put, let's, let's be honest with ourselves here. We said Billy Napier after last year, after the signing class, needed to just get the quantity to get that elite class. We said after the Florida State game, he needed a top five class in order to make it past 2024. He didn't do it. Yep. So you got
1: it. He didn't do it
0: what do you, what do you, what do what do you make of that? Is that mean that you don't believe that do we not believe that Billy Napier is going to make it here at Florida or what is he going to have to do to overcome another shortcoming at the high school recruiting level?
1: you're putting me on the spot for an opportunity. And I'll, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll answer
0: it too. I'll answer but the question. Uh, after uh, you no, do.
1: I'll, I'll go first. I think, I think that he is in, in, in big trouble. I think Billy Napier is in big trouble right now because, like you said, the deal was we tolerate a bad season. We're not happy with it, but we tolerate a bad season. We would live with it in exchange for an elite recruiting class, not a good one. Good isn't good enough. This class had to be an elite one. That was the deal. Now, some may have demanded a top three class, some may have demanded a top five class, maybe some of the more realistic. Um, and, and more forgiving and lenient ones would have said top 10 is good enough. We don't even have a top 15 class right now. We have fallen out of the top 15 as of this recording. Michigan has just jumped us for the number 15 spot. So in the 247 sports composite rankings, Michigan is 15 and Florida is 16. By no means, by no definition, is that an elite recruiting class. It's not acceptable. It's not what we signed up for. And frankly, that's not how you close the gap on Alabama and Georgia that's just not how you do it. And again, the whole purpose of hiring Billy Napier was for him to be the guy to bring Florida back to the national championship level. The way you do that is with elite recruiting classes, which he was on his way to doing. He had it in September. He had the number three class. It has now plummeted outside the top 15. So there is just no way in no fashion with no rational argument that you can claim this recruiting class comes anywhere close to meeting that expectation, which was needed, which was what he had to do in order to get Florida back to where it is supposed to be. We did not have him hired to be an eight and four, nine and three coach every year. We, we, we did not hire him to go 10 and two as a ceiling. I mean, Georgia fired Mark Rick for that. We we didn't hire him to be a good but not great coach. We hired him to be a championship winning coach. Maybe not event, maybe not immediately, but we hired him to eventually leave Florida to, to championships. And you know what? It may not even stay in the top 50, the top 16 as more residual decisions play themselves out. Other schools could continue to jump Florida with some uh residual signings. Um, I mean, Florida, I guess, is in it for Zay Mincy, but I don't think they're gonna get him. I don't think Florida's going to land him. I mean, that would be an opportunity to jump back into the top 15, but that wouldn't, that that's still not good enough. Cause you missed early on in the cycle on a lot of guys you wanted. Like for example, today, everyone's focused on guys like Amarius Williams, um, Xavier Filsame for Monday, uh, Darius Hayes. We missed on Cam Pringle way, 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 way back. An offensive lineman who could have been a very nice compliment to Fletcher Westfall in this class. He went to South Carolina, that would have been huge to have two top 50 offensive linemen commit to Florida. Well, we missed, we lost that battle. So now we have to pay for it because we didn't, we didn't get another offensive lineman of that caliber. So it's not just, yeah, well, we knew we were going to lose Phil Same. We knew we were going to lose Amarius Williams. We knew we were going to lose a Darius Hayes. It's the totality of the cycle. And some of the decisions that Napier has made going all the way back to last offseason when he didn't hire an offensive coordinator or a special teams coach, which cost us wins on the field, which in turn gave other schools the ability to use that against Florida when they were recruiting the kids to flip from us. And well, here we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, listen, I'm with you. And right now, historically speaking, we're only we're only bringing this up because historically speaking. We've seen this with other coaches. I mean, this this is very reminiscent of what happened to Willie Taggart at Florida State. Willie Taggart had a top three class at one point at Florida State after in his first year, and when the results on the field didn't hold, it plummeted, and he never re- he never recovered from it. He never recovered, and then he got fired a year later. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't think Billy Napier is Billy Taggart, whatever the heck that you know Florida State fans want to label him as, but the I do. For sure, they,
1: look similar though,
0: don't they? They do look similar after two years and. I think right now you had to, it's, and understand it's difficult to recruit that record after two years, especially when you're going up against teams that are either in the college football playoff, have won the college football playoff, or right there on the cusp of the college football playoff. Florida is not in any of those three categories. The NLI NLI game is stronger than all those schools too. Their administrations are fully supportive of the football program. They give them whatever they need to win. Florida right now doesn't have that. This is an issue that goes. It's larger than just Billy Napier, larger than NIL. And there's admin. Our administration has to start supporting football at an elite level, like all of the other elite schools do. Period. It has to happen. It's not happening right now.
1: Let's just be our- honest with ourselves. Let's let, let's call a spade a spade. They're not going to. There needs to be a change of leadership. Like let's let's just stop fooling ourselves. Let's just stop deluding our listeners, or, our, our viewers. The current people are not. we need they're just not they're not gonna do it they made that abundantly clear on multiple occasions we need we need change of leadership there ben sass the president is gonna have who by the way is a football fan there's there are all kinds of of uh pieces of evidence that like he's gone up and down the, the the rows at Florida field selling concessions i mean back when he was a senator in Nebraska he was I think quoted as saying on the, on the Senate floor or something like there, there are two football, there, there are two seasons, there's football and there's spring season or the spring football season or something like that. Like he's a football guy. So he gets it. So it's not like we're screwed. All is lost. We will never win again. It's just Ben Sass has to make some decisions and he has to make the decisions that tell us that he's interested in having a winning football program at Florida. Cause yeah. there's there's no hope for this administration to be the ones to get it fixed. Sass has to force that.
0: Yeah, and look, at Bernie Macum was the reason why urban my came to the University of Florida. It was a university president that had a relation with him at Utah that brought him here. And that that's what's going to I mean that might honestly be what it's going to take and that's fine. My message though for Gator fans is obviously still support the football program. Let's continue to support the football program, but we have an opportunity to raise our concerns, be critical in this situation. The recruiting class is not up to par where it needs to be to win championships. Does it have players of championship caliber on it? Absolutely. DJ Lagway is a national championship caliber quarterback. LJ McCray is a national championship caliber, all American type defensive lineman. Those are cornerstones. We have cornerstones in the class now that we can build around. So moving forward for this year, Florida is going to definitely have to make hits in the portal and You know, I think much was made of Billy Napier being very slow to get in the portal when a lot of people saw the portal was hot and heavy early on. There still are a lot of talented players that have not entered the portal yet. The portal is open through the beginning of January. Florida has already made contact with additional players that have just entered the portal. I believe Florida will make overtures to players that are going to enter it after a college football playoff time frame and Florida will have an opportunity to fill holes where it is necessary. So, Neil, on that, where do you think the Gators need – where do you think they still need to uh, be uh, addressed? Uh, what positions – where does Florida need help right now? And I and I would say offensive line is sort of yeah. the glaring need. That's the low-hanging fruit. We could well, start both, with that. How
1: about both sides of the trenches? Because you got L.J. McCray. That's great. Brian Taylor, okay, maybe he is something. Maybe he's not. I don't know. He I projects
0: mean- as sort of that edge defensive. I mean, right. really, you've got two between high school and recruiting, or high school recruiting. Portal. You have two edge defensive end players. That's L.J. McRae and, and uh, Brian Taylor. And then defensive tackle, that's Joey Slackman through the portal, who has one year of eligibility left, and Michael Baru. That's it. Right. I mean, I think we all agree three. we need help.
1: I mean, I I think I think we're going to wind up going position by position and grading it um, in a little bit. But you missed on not one, not two, but three top 75 defensive linemen in this class. That hurts. You got to fill that need. And look, when you have when you have five defensive linemen committed, as we did at one point, Yeah, no fooling. You're going to have some guy go, well, I don't want to have to compete with four other guys in my position. I'll go decommit and flip elsewhere. That's fine. But that doesn't explain three of them doing that. So we need to hit the portal for at least one more defensive lineman. I would say Joey Slackman is a perfectly capable piece there. But I would still say, especially with a guy like Will Norman leaving with the Chris McClellan leaving. Yeah, there's some depth there, but I would say the more you have at that position, the better off you are, because you just never know when the injury bug is going to chomp down on you. And all of a sudden you're thin in the, in at, at the worst position to be thin at.
0: You've only got one high school defensive tackle that you signed this cycle. So, and you brought in a transfer with one year of eligibility. You lost one player who had four years of eligibility left and you lost another with two to the portal. So that tells me you gotta go find somebody in the portal that has at least two years of eligibility. Two guys with two years of eligibility to pad that depth again. Because right now, I mean, out you have you have Des you had Desmond Watson, you have Caleb Banks, you have Cam Jackson, you have Joey Slackman, and then uh Jamari Lyons. Five people to Tyreek Sapp. Well, Tyreek Sapp, I mean, you know, he can play inside, but his natural position is more outside. Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: And you'd rather get him outside again. Yeah. So I would say you at least need to bring in one to two more guys at the defensive tackle mm-hmm. in order to satisfy that. I mean, i mean, the offensive, offensive line, line
1: though, I mean, that's, that's yeah. just, that's just, that's just awful. I mean, Jordan Seaton was, was the, was the crown jewel of the class. Uh, I mean, the, the, with the smoke of him going to, to Maryland now after going to Colorado. I mean, that that's just a wild recruitment. That might be, that might be another Cormani McLean situation. And that is just going to be the highest bidder wins when they go back and forth between possibly unlikely suitors. But I mean, the, the Cam Pringle miss, I go back to that one. There weren't a ton of super highly rated offensive linemen in this class. You had a chance at Cam Pringle way on early in this cycle and you missed and that hurts because you don't have a replacement for him. You have Fletcher Westfall as another good offensive tackle, but you need two of them. You, at least two of them. Didn't get it. So you, I mean, Brandon Crenshaw Dixon, I guess that that's good. That's something, but you need more interior offensive linemen too now. And you just, you just need more bodies there. You need more pieces in the trenches. If you're going to survive a college football season, especially <clears throat> especially next year when the season is a week longer because of the extra bye week. I mean right. bye weeks are, you know, great. When you have two of them that's that's great, but it's still more time that you're in the season, you're working out, you could potentially get hurt. So just another period of time for a possible injury to happen and with what we saw this year, we'll talk about that I guess too, with the 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 new strength coach coming in, but you saw a lot of guys just not make it to the end of the year. And that's a possibility to happen at any given time. So you, the more bodies you stockpile, there the better off you are.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I in offensive line. I mean, I they definitely are going to have to take. I would say at least two more bodies, maybe three, to be five solidly eight guys deep, eight to nine guys deep, which is really what you want. But of course, Neil, we we need to start seeing some development too at the offensive line from guys that we've already recruited. This I would love to see our two four stars from last cycle get developed. You had Caden Jones, you had um, Najee Harris, you also had—I know I'm missing another—oh, uh, Roger Kearney. So actually, three, depending on what outlet you looked at, four-star linemen. Those guys, you, those are guys you hope, and now a year later, a year into the program, can have now developed the ability to play. You know, if we can bring home Michael Tarquin for a year. That would be massive on the offensive line because at that point, you could, you'll never have to see Damian George at tackle again. You could slide him to guard where it's his natural position. You have Brendan Crenshaw Dixon. You have Austin Barber. So you have three capable tackles there that you can rotate on the left and the right side to protect Graham Mertz. Then you bring back a guy like M- Mascoua at guard, Richie Lennard now, who's got five years in the program. You slide in Damon George, who could cycle in through there. Maybe you go and find another uh, interior offensive lineman in the class. Jake Slaughter is the presumed starter now at center. So if you get that one guy who has that experience in college, who has proven he can play at the power five level, that changes the game for next season and the outlook of the offensive line. But that requires you to go win a portal battle with other people. And, you know, We've already seen he's gotten multiple SEC offers from schools like Texas A&M, Auburn, and Florida. So it's going to be a fight to get him back home only 45 minutes away from his hometown in Ocala. We'll see, but that's what we have to do in order to fortify the trenches. And I would agree, probably the lowest ranked position in this class are those two. So let's go ahead and let's rate this out. We'll go down the list uh, and kind of give a quick synopsis of it, and then we'll give our – Overall, some of our superlatives for the class. So let's look at quarterback. So I think this is an easy one, right? I mean, mean, he's the best best player in the country to me.
1: I I guess you can make an argument that Dylan Raiola is – no. A little no, bit. there's no argument, a passer, but lagway La- 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 has got the dual threat working for him. He can run, whereas Rayola can't. So, I mean, to me, this is the best player in the country and all of in this entire class. So, A plus for sure. A plus.
0: I don't think I don't know the last time he gave an A plus for anything. <laughs> so <laughs> this is exciting. Uh,
1: I don't know what this feels like. Uh, all right. Running back. I'll go B minus. I like Kenny Daniels. I was disappointed when Chauncey Bowens flipped. I would have liked to have kept them both. But then again, we saw the the ranking shift uh, when when Bowens dropped a bit. So that's that's a point for Napier on the eval. But I mean, Daniels plays in a weird scheme too for his high school. Like he played a lot of quarterback for an offense that liked to run the ball a lot. So I don't know how you really evaluate that. But I mean, he's definitely got good ball running. I mean, he's definitely got got good vision. He's definitely got good skills. Like with the football and space, he can make guys miss. Um, I like Jaden Baugh too. anytime you beat out Alabama for a player that they even somewhat want, even if it's for depth purposes, that's a W, but there's also not that elite top end running back. So I'll give it a B minus. Yeah. And, and it's funny.
0: I was actually just looking, I was curious. Trevor ETN's profile is eerily similar to where Keenan Daniels is right now. Uh, one was you know a little bit higher ranked in another outlet versus the other, but composite right around the same. They had ETN as a 92, 190th player overall. Kanan Daniels just got bumped up to, bear with me for a second, 253. Uh, he is a 91 rated, 187th overall on 247. So eerily similar talent composites. Very, you know, I think Daniels is a little bit more of a shiftier runner. A little bit more compact versus ETM was more of kind of a bowling ball. But this staff has shown that they can evaluate the running back position very well. They found Montreal Johnson. I would actually give this one, I give it a B plus. I think it's a solid running back haul. You got two blue chip running backs coming in. This is the four. These are, you've now signed four in your time since you've arrived on campus. That's not that's something that the last regime could say. And not that we really want to really get into comparing them. But still, I think it's a solid haul overall. So I give it a B plus wide receiver. I feel like this is a little bit I almost want to give it incomplete because I love the two guys you got, but you would really have loved a headliner in this one. Like, obviously, we made a lot of overtures late to Jeremiah Smith did not happen thus far. Has not signed his letter of intent yet, and it. you Yeah, right. That. I don't see it either. But you didn't get a TJ Moore. You didn't get a Trans Robinson. Somebody a little bit ahead you of didn't these. Get a guys. Cam Coleman.
1: You didn't a get a Cam Coleman. It. Yeah. Yep. You um, didn't get. I think that's what this class is missing. But part of what is missing. That not I would say right
0: now. I mean, we'll and I'm gonna say this. I think we should include transfers thus far that we've gotten into these grades. I'm gonna consider that. So Chimry Dyke is a solid get right now, though for the receiver room. I'd give it a B minus.
1: I'll give it a C plus just because you need more receivers than you got. I I like Jareh Hawkins, he can fly. I like TJ T. Abrams and I like uh I don't even I don't even know if it's Dyke or DK from Wisconsin. Um but again, none of those top flight receivers. No Jeremiah Smith, no Cam Coleman, no Chance Robinson, no TJ Moore. You hit on one of those guys, it's a solid B class, maybe even B plus. You get two of those guys, and it's potentially an A class. So we didn't do it. We didn't get it. So because, again, of a lack of quantity, that hurts. The quality is good. You just didn't get enough of them. Let me ask you this.
0: Going back to last year, the receiver group, basically, that was an A class, right? The, with Aiden Mizell, Andy, Andy Jean. Jean, Trey Wilson. So if those guys can come up now and meet at his level, and then one of those guys pops then together you really do have something as a receiving core. But yeah, I would agree. I think this is just something that, to me, just it, it missed that headliner. And that headliner could have taken this from a C-plus, B-minus, all the way to an A if you got him, but you didn't get him. And I don't think Deke or Dyke is a guy that, thus far, I don't know, hasn't shown the ability to replace the production of Ricky Purisall. We don't know yet, but I don't think he's of that same talent caliber. But then again, Ricky was a pretty obscure player too at Arizona State before he came to Florida. Deke at least played at a power five level before coming to Florida. So
1: it remains to be seen. Arizona State's power five, but yes. A
0: a (laughs) power five program that's had a little more success in recent memory.
1: Yeah, sure. All
0: right. Tight end, one player. I think we really only needed one player. Mm -hmm. I'd give it a solid A. I mean, you got a top 100 tight end. We haven't signed a lot of those in recent memory at Florida. The closest that could be would be uh, out. I mean, you had Kyle Pitts in 2018, and then you, in 2019, uh, you had. Um, sorry, name case me right now. Come back from the ACL injury. Help uh, me out, Neil.
1: What year was this? From
0: Lakeland. About? From Lakeland. He's on the team oh, right key now. Key on Zipper. Keon Zipper. Sorry, about it. it's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> key on Zipper, you know, that's the last time we got a caliber, uh, a tight end of this caliber. I would say. I'd give it an a I think he's I think you got a really solid tight end.
1: I give it a B plus slash a minus fringe grade. I don't know that he is that elite. Top, top, top tier tight end, but he's certainly a very good one. There's no complaints about him. I um, mean, he's a guy that can make things happen in the past game. He's a good pass catcher. He's a good root runner um again doesn't really come off as that that kind of wow guy that just jumps off the tape but no complaints he's a perfectly good sec player i think so no no issues with it i'll give it a sure i'll because there's just so much to be negative about today i'll i'll lean on the positive side and the coin will come up on the a minus side so i'll give it the a minus. there we go
0: there we go i mean top 10 he's top 10 at his at his at his position Top one hundred player overall in the country. Like for me,
1: A like an A is a top five in this position. Type okay,
0: fair. A plus fair. is like one or two. Got it. That, no, I, I don't have a problem with that. All right, offensive line. I think this is one where we're going to really ding them. You're going to give him an F.
1: I won't even. I would not I won't even give him any suspense for that. It's. I would have. You, you did.
0: I, I would have failed it if we didn't get Brendan Crenshaw Dixon. So I'm going to go D right now.
1: You don't have enough of them. Yeah. You need more. I, we I need think- another. And this
0: grade could get, ra- I mean, like, let me ask you this. If you go out and you get a starting caliber tackle or guard, then what does this grade become in the transfer portal?
1: Well, then, sure. that Then it shifts up, and it's definitely a passing grade. Yeah. Um, and probably a C. Okay. Again, I mean, you missed on Jordan Seaton, which, again, that could be a Cormani McClain thing where we didn't really have a chance at him because he was just going to be a, a, a highest bidder wins type of guy. But – does um, Seton raise
0: this grade to like a B, A?
1: If we if, if we get like a Michael Tarquin on top of what we have, then sure, it can be it can be raised to a, to a C-plus or a B-minus. Wait, wait I have, with Tarquin and Seton, you'd only still would, give it well, a no, C-plus? No, 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 sorry, no, 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 not with Seton, not with Seton. I'm saying if you just add Tarquin to what we have, and that's the only okay. change you made to it.
0: Okay, okay, I got you, it. that's fair. But yeah.
1: again, I go back to the miss of Cam Pringle. Yep. That was a, a recruiting battle that Florida should have won, and they didn't yep. do it.
0: They're going to have to start winning those if they're going to take it to the next level. And we all know offensive line is the key, really, to Florida becoming an elite program again. Yeah, no, I would say about a D. I'd say I'd give it a D. It's not quite a failure. I do think there's some potential gems in this. Like, I'm really intrigued by Noel, Noel Portnyagin. This is, I mean, he didn't play in the United States. He's not going to get the high grade like a lot of his other counterparts are. That's fair. He he auditioned for three other SEC or two other SEC schools got offers. They wanted him in the class and he picked Florida. So I'm excited about the get. And I and I I think the size and we do need interior offensive linemen in the future. I think you give him another a year or two of development. I think he'd be really solid. I'm not sure he's a day one contributor, but I am intrigued by his upside.
1: Let's let's also point out the two SEC schools were South Carolina and Auburn. Not exactly Alabama, or LSU, or Georgia. No, or but
0: Auburn killed it in the recruiting in the recruiting the, this cycle. They're top ten class yeah. right now.
1: That's true. That's um, true. Um
0: and then you look at a guy like Fletcher Westfall, I think that's a guy he could I mean he could he could play year one. I mean, he very well could play year one, depending on how things shake out. Like if you don't get another transfer, then you might need him to play. Don't know if you want that, but all the best offensive linemen in recent memory at Florida played the freshman year. You go back to Juwan Taylor played his freshman year in 2016 March as Ivy played his freshman year in 2015. You know, it, it, the guys that have made it at Florida play their freshman year more often than not. So we're, well, I mean, we'll see. Well, it remains to be seen. I agree though. D for this. So let's move to the defensive line. Another area we've already kind of talked about uh, with the transfers. I I I'll give it a little higher than offensive line, and the reason why is because LJ McCray is that elite of a player. So I'll give it a C because it's missing out on that interior specifically. I really like Brian Taylor. Florida beat out some good, impressive schools: Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee. All wanted Taylor. Florida got him. That's a good get there. Two years of eligibility left at the from coming from the JUCO level, but. I think that we would have liked to have seen a little bit more, and that's why I'm going to give it a C. Lock we still time. need we still need edge players. We still need edge players, and we still need defensive tackles.
1: It's t- it, this is a loaded grade because you had top four. You no, know, you had four top seventy five defensive linemen committed.
0: This could have been an A-plus grade a couple weeks ago. It's kind of crazy to think. Right, and
1: you lost three of them. You lost Jamonte Waller to Auburn. You lost Nasir Johnson to Georgia, and you lost Amaris Williams to Auburn. So that's three top 75 defensive linemen that you had in the bag. You had committed, and you lost, which is, in terms of this grade, like that itself is a failure. Now, L.J. McCray himself is an A-plus caliber player, so – I don't know. How do you balance that out? And then you have to add in a Makai Burrow um, on the on the defensive line and, and a Brian Taylor and then a Joey Slackman. Those aren't th- – like that's not a net positive for Florida to lose those three guys and then pick up Brian Taylor and uh, and Joey Slackman and, and then another – is he even ranked? Uh, Burrow's even ranked? Is he's
0: you- a three-star. Uh, I mean he's the – fourth lowest in the class. So his I mean, composite is a seven. Yeah, he is ranked 735 in the composite.
1: I mean, okay. So that that's, that's a net negative. That's a net L for Georgia
0: did want that kid at one point.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Um, the only reason they didn't take him is because they, you know, they, they got men's
1: I'll give it a neutral grade of C. That's, yeah, like that's what I, I don't you. really know what to, what to give him.
0: All right. So let's move to linebackers. Now linebacker position. We talked about it. It's a solid group of guys. And Aaron Childs and Miles Graham, two top 100 linebackers. Those are guys I could see playing year one, depending on how things shake out. But we did lose a Darius Hayes, as I mentioned earlier, to Miami. I would give this grade a B-plus because of the loss. I think it could have been a solid A with him in the class or another linebacker of that caliber in the class. And So it it, it is a loss in in a way where he was more of kind of that outside edge player, which we need. But I do think it's a need that's going to be addressed in the portal. So, but I would say right now, those are two solid guys. Those are two starters. You pair them with Shamar James for your put tap, bring him under his wing. It's a solid group of guys. So I, I'm excited about the future of those two.
1: So this is one where I, I will say I have a little bit of sympathy for Florida staff. You had two top 15 linebackers committed. You can say the third one was, I guess, afraid he wouldn't get playing time. So you can kind of pardon Jay Bateman and the staff for that one. We landed two awesome linebackers in, in Childs and Graham, but I would have really liked that third one for depth. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm being greedy, but I'm going to agree with you on that B plus grade.
0: Okay. Cornerbacks. This is a, There are not a lot of cornerbacks in this class mm-hmm. right now. We we got Teddy Foster committed, a guy that Corey Raymond had sort of handpicked. Corey Raymond is no longer with us. There, you know, Zay Mincy's still out there, although a lot of reports are saying that he's trending to Alabama. Mm-hmm. We took Trequezi Bridges, projects more as a safety, not a corner. I don't know. I I'm a little concerned about this position. I definitely think we're going to have to hit the portal on this in this group. Maybe take one or two guys there. At least we don't know the futures of Jason Marshall. We don't know the future of Jalen Kember or Jadon Hill. You know, Devin Moore has shown that he can't stay healthy, but he is, is good, but he just can't stay healthy. I don't know, Neil. I, I, I'm going to fail. I'm actually I'm going to fail quarterback grade. I think this is the worst group that we recruited. We lost Wardell Mack. It's a shame. And I know that Will Harris came in late in the game. But this is a this is a this is a tough one. I I wish we would have done a little better in this department.
1: Yeah. Pretty easy. You failed. And Teddy Foster's I mean, maybe he maybe he'll be something, maybe he'll not. But even if he is, that's just one. And you needed to get a second one. You had it in Wardell Mac. And then I don't know, Austin Armstrong didn't want him. And maybe he didn't want Corey Raymond either. And that's why he's not with us anymore. But no, you, I mean, true crazy with bridges is certainly a, a power five capable corner, but you still needed one more. So and he, and he didn't do it. And it's just a matter of, did you get the job done or did you not? And he did. Mm-hmm. So it's a failure.
0: Yeah. All right. Final position safety. Obviously we all know about Phil Simeon, lost him a couple of days before we did sign Greg Smith today, who I'm personally high on. I've seen his tape. Also maybe biased because he he lives right down the road for me here in, in the area of Tampa that I'm in. But I, I do like his upside. I think he has a very high ceiling. I think he's going to need a few years of development to get there. I don't anticipate him playing his freshman year. I think this is a redshirt candidate. But I do like his upside. Josiah Davis uh, basically ranked right around the place where Greg Smith is. You took two safeties and then Traquezi Bridges, if you want to lump him in the safety room because of where he's projecting and how he's going to transfer over. This isn't a failure of a grade, but I'm not super enthused about it considering we are just the safety room definitely needs some depth, and I'm excited about what Jordan Castell and Bryce Thornton could do. But it would have been nice to have it's we I think we need an impact safety in the class still. So I'm gonna give it a D.
1: They failed simply because of Philsame. That that was that was an elite player that you had on board. It wasn't like it was a pipe dream to land him. You had him committed since the spring game. And you lost him because you had to fire Corey Raymonds. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here and make excuses for how the defense played. It was awful this year. Someone had to take the fall, and I get that. But okay, you made the decision to to get rid of Corey Raymond. So that's what happens. And it, it cost you it cost you a top five safety. So in the context of how good of a safety haul did we bring in, I mean, Gregory Smith is let's just keep it real because you know keep it respectful, but keep it real. He's nowhere close to Phil Same. He's not he's not close to the same caliber of athlete. So that doesn't mean he won't become a playmaker for Florida, but the odds are just not in that favor. So it's an F. It's a failure because you had a top five safety committed and he just couldn't hold him.
0: Right. And I think the biggest issue is we, as we wrap up our grades here and we talk about the overall of the class. Once again, it's qual, It's, it, it's a quality over quantity class. It's you have elite players, but not an elite class. You have guys that definitely can contribute day one, but you also have some guys that are going to need development. Most of that offensive line class, the two safeties that we just mentioned, Teddy Foster, A lot of those guys aren't going to play their freshman year and we need impact guys to impact the the team now in order for us to take that next step. And there were a lot of freshmen that played last year and they're going to make a big jump, hopefully in year two, that's going to help propel this team to more wins next season. But we needed impact guys and we lost a lot of impact guys over the last month to other schools whom we are going to be playing next season in Texas, Georgia, we're going to eventually play Auburn in the SEC, Miami, Miami I mean, Florida State. It, it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow right now. Looking at who finished ahead of us in recruiting, who took guys from us before signing day. It, it's, it's another, it's Dave Javu, Neil. It's Dave Javu all over again. I will, I will ask you this though. Between last year and this year, which class in your mind was better?
1: Probably this one because you got the elite quarterback, although (laughs) we had Jaden Rashada signed too. So I don't know that I want to say that, but um, I I think we got a generational quarterback this year, whereas Mm -hmm. we got a, what I thought was a, was a good, but not great one in Rashada last year. And we got what I think is a generational player in LJ McCray on the defensive line. But other than that, I mean, there's really not much difference between the two. It is a quality over quantity class and like, We said, and we can go back and have this discussion a different day too in more detail, but as we said, the the deal was, Billy, we'll, we'll live with a bad season this year in exchange for an elite recruiting class. Well, you got some elite players in isolation, but you didn't sign an elite class. And I think from the perspective of you needed an elite class this year, and also from the perspective of you had it, you had it committed to you and you lost it. I think that has to take some of the shine out of it too. And maybe, maybe make us think um, more lowly of it. So I'll say it's a push just because they so closely resemble each other in that quality over quantity fashion. And because the fact that we did land two top tier talents this year is overshadowed by the fact that we just, Again, when we even more greatly need it, we just don't have the bodies. We do just don't have the depth behind it.
0: Yeah, and I actually went back and looked. Last year, Florida finished 13th overall in the recruiting rankings. They were with a 91.41 player ranking. That was good if you take the average player ranking of it for Florida to land just inside the top 10. Similar situation this year, 91.31, 16th overall. But if you take the player ranking, number nine overall, if you average that out, that even if you took the average player ranking and then compared it to the SEC, now that we've added Texas and Oklahoma, Florida would be the sixth best team in player ranking. If you go purely by the overall, we're down to eighth which is middle of the pack in the SEC. That's what we're up against. And that's why falling short on signing day, It you know, Georgia and Alabama played for an SEC title and they were number one and number two at the top of the entire rankings. Texas, a team we're going to play next year, number five. Welcome to the SEC. They understood the assignment. Auburn, new head coach last year, number seven. They, they These teams, they, they got it. And even Tennessee, Tennessee finished ahead of us, actually. Now, you know, you could argue semantics in there. Florida had higher player ranking, but they had less blue chippers and less players. So it's, I would agree with you. I think that it was a better class because we got the generational elite talent that we missed out on last year. But it pretty much is the same class on paper if you really look at it. And it's going to come down to, can Billy Napier hit on transfers or that window closes get them on campus over the next couple of weeks. We'll talk about it here on the show more, and we'll, we'll, maybe we'll even look to revise some of these grades overall for the class after the transfer portal is closed, before we start spring ball. But right now, there's work to be done, clearly, at the cornerback position, the safety room, and the line of scrimmage. I think those are the three, Neil, we can agree on need a lot of help. And, and we might even need a playmaker at the receiver area, maybe an additional linebacker. So there's holes to be fixed. There's holes to be plugged. There's still some roster management to be had. But overall, the Gators finish just outside the top 15 overall in the 247 composite, 15th on on three, and miss out on some elite talent once again.
1: That we signed up for.
0: Nope. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and cap the show with some superlatives, some positive things. We're going to say what the best recruiting win is, the dark horse of the class, the best recruiting recruit, so the kind of the MVP of the class, the leader, most likely to start day one, and the best overall talent. So I think we'll probably have some similar answers for a few of these. But, Neil, in your mind, what was the best recruiting win of the 2024 class?
1: I'm going to go Aaron Childs. That's a D.C. kid, which is – frankly, not Florida's home turf. That's Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state territory, uh, maybe a little Clemson seemed like he was going to be a Michigan Wolverine, but no, Florida goes on the road, so to speak, and they get a road victory on the recruiting trail. And he's a very good player. He's a unanimous top 20 linebacker in the class. Two of the, I think two of the top four uh, major recruiting services have him as a top five linebacker. So, I mean, not nothing to sneeze at there, nothing to be embarrassed about there. It's a good take and a good road win for the Gators.
0: I like that. I'm gonna go LJ McRae because I know all the teams that were after him, even up to the final second before he put ink to paper. That was a that was a, a win by the staff that to to get that deal done, not allowing somebody to come in at the eleventh hour and take him away and truly ruin this class. And we got a generational player on the defensive side of the ball. So for me, I think the best recruiting win was by far L.J. McRae. All right, let's go Dark Horse, who's a dark horse, a guy that nobody's really talking about enough in this class, but you think is going to make an impact when it's all said and done.
1: I'll go Jerry Hawkins because I think if IMG wants you bad enough that they go and they poach you and they take you away from the high school where you're currently happy out in West Virginia, and then you go there and you thrive, I wouldn't bet against him. Hawkins can fly. He's maybe not. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't call him a clone of Trey Wilson. He's definitely not a carbon copy of him. But he can fly. He can win a lot of foot races. He can make a lot of big plays happen. So I know he's not the highest rated receiver on the board or in the Gators class. Or no, no, he is the highest receiver in the Gators class. But regardless, he's not the most highly touted receiver that Florida was after for sure. But definitely watch out for him to make some plays as a true freshman.
0: I like that one. I was between him and the guy that I'm actually going to pick, and that's Cannon Daniels. I think Cannon Daniels is an opportunity to actually play fairly early on in his career if he does well at Florida. Florida, Billy likes to rotate running backs, and we've seen him go three deep at times. I think he has a chance to actually be the third running back next year if you really look at it because Montal Johnson is going to return as number one. Webb will be number two. Then who's number three? I think it's an open competition. We don't know the status of Kim Carroll. Jaden Ball is the other running back in the class who could be a sleeper in his own right. But I'm going to go Kanan Daniels based on what I saw him put on film this year in Mississippi, winning that state title. Just, you know, an elite player in his state. And I think, you know, Montrell Johnson will leave after next season. He has a chance to slide his way up into that two-man rotation and be a starter, essentially, on paper. I really like what he could do for Florida at the running back position. All right, best recruiting recruit of the class. Who was the leader of the MVP? I think we might have a similar answer, but we'll see what you go with.
1: This one is very close between DJ Lagway and Miles Graham. They were both spectacular, I thought, at recruiting other prospects. I'm going to give it to Graham because he was the leader. He came first. He committed first. He sent the letter of intent in first. And he got the ball rolling in August of 2022 before Napier coached a game. Lagway would come a few months later in December of 22. Love Lagway, love the personality that he's got, love the way he's always out there trying to help South Florida. Graham, to me, got the ball rolling. So he gets it for that because he led by example.
0: I like that. I'm going to go Lagway. Uh, that's that's who I'm leaning. I, I He would have been my second choice for as well. I, I think Lagway just – he was in Gainesville probably more than any of us and were season ticket holders. I mean, he he truly just lived, breathed every moment of it. And – he is a reason why we got a guy like LJ McCray in the class. So I, I think elite players mm-hmm. want to play with other elite players and DJ Lagway has, has been loyal to day one. And he basically said today on Twitter, after he signed, he's like, you're either going to win with us or you're going to watch us win. And I love the leader like that. And I think he attracted some alphas in this class. And I think he's going to attract some transfers to also to come in that may have more than one year of eligibility left who could have an opportunity to play with him in the future. All right. Most likely to start day one. I think this is an interesting question. It could go in a number of different directions, Neil, who is your guy?
1: Yeah, we could definitely go in a bunch of different directions. Um, I guess I'll say LJ McCray because he he's a difference maker. Like he's a guy that can come in and make things happen immediately. He is, he, he, he's a, he's a disruptive um, pass rusher, I guess, even from the inside, you would think that he's not, maybe quite that edge guy, but he, I mean, he's got some moves. He can, he can beat you and make you look pretty stupid off this, off the snap. So definitely put him in the conversation for it. Maybe miles Graham. Um, he, I mean, you can go a lot of different ways with this and maybe, maybe Jerry Hawkins just because there aren't really a ton of proven receivers there. Um, I guess I'll say McCray, just because I think he's the best of those guys that I mentioned, and it's going to be the hardest to keep him off the field.
0: I think he's going to play. I think he'll be in the rotation. I don't see him surpassing Kelby Collins in the first year. I think Kelby Collins will be the starter at that spot. But I could see him eventually maybe starting opposite of him, depending on how things kind of shake out. Wait, did we say
1: start day one or play day one?
0: Start day one.
1: Okay, then, then it wouldn't be him, but he will definitely play. That, I, I mean, think he'll. I think he. Yeah, there's a chance he, Yeah, feel. he'll
0: start his freshman year, and we maybe we can go through that too. Look, guys, we think could start their freshman year or at least work their way into it. But the guy that I think that could start day one, Aaron Childs. I like Aaron Childs because I, I really, I, I think he might be the best linebacker in the class. And that's no disrespect to Miles Graham, because he's a, he's a heck of a linebacker too. Also was a great running back, just like his dad was. Aaron Giles, like that guy's just 6'3, 220. He's built already to play linebacker in the SEC. And next to Shamar James, like that, that, that duo right there, I like that. I like that duo a lot. And I think Jay Bateman is going to give him a chance to play next year at linebacker. I like Amar, I like Aaron Giles suiting up day one against Miami next season. Who are other, okay, before we get to the best overall talent, though, like going down the list, who are guys that you think could play in their first year like start consistently i mean i like lj mccray i'd like miles graham too depending on how things go i
1: think aaron Charles is a guy as well I, yeah I'd, I'd say amir jackson is gonna be hard to keep off the field at least to some degree i, I mean, don't think he gets past arlos
0: boardingham he though. won't but he could be the tight end too maybe if he gets past hansen yeah and then I, the, i'm
1: saying i think he will
0: I mean, He's gonna have to block as well as Hanson though, because I think Hanson's Hansen's you know talent is the fact that he can't block.
1: Right, but I'm um, saying if you want a second pass catching tight end, then you got then you go with Amir Jackson.
0: And then I guess if we're
1: gonna go offensive line, the most likely to start Fletcher, Fletcher Westfall. Yeah, I mean that that's by default, unless you want to go transfer and say Brandon Crenshaw Dixon. But
0: um, no, no high school. Also, we'll say high school recruits. I mean, I, I, I listen if you're bringing a transfer in. I'm expecting you to basically start, yeah, or be a heavy rotational guy. Like every single one of those four guys that we brought in, expect I expect
1: play. Expect him to play. Him to yeah. play.
0: Another guy we didn't mention, but he's coming from the JUCO level. I think will play early on is Brian Taylor. I think he definitely is going to find himself in the rotation there, uh, off the edge. So that's that's another one to look out and for. And Joey but
1: Slackman didn't come here to sit on the bench either.
0: No, not at so, all.
1: I mean, yeah, one year left. You're, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Napier, Napier didn't go get him to let him sit on the bench, like you just said.
0: Yep. All right. Best overall talent.
1: I Toss a coin. Much... Toss yeah. a coin between McRae and Lagway. You could come up either way. You can make. Gun a...
0: to your head if you had to pick one.
1: Whichever way the coin comes up.
0: Well, the Clipping coin came coin. up. For... The coin Clipping came the up coin. for me. It, it, it's Lagway for me. I think this is a guy that could have a statue, a bronze statue outside of Gainesville. That is his ceiling. He's the best player generationally that we've gotten. I don't want to say Tim Tebow, but like, he's on that level.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's he is elite. on that level. like An elite he, quarterback. He's quarterback, on the level elite of elite Tim Tebow. This is not, this is not just signing a quarterback to sign a quarterback. This is to me, the best quarterback in the class. I, yeah. I think he is, he is better than Dylan Rayola. I know Rayola is rated higher. I don't care because lagway can run and Rayola can't, or at least not the way lagway can. Yeah. So that, that dual threat ability, he's in, he's a great pocket passer with wheels. Yeah. So it's not like we got another Emory Jones
0: and he goes through his re I mean, he is yeah. blinders he, ahead he's smart of, of he,
1: he, yeah. he lit it up with video game numbers in Texas, high school football, which is yep. like, it's on par with Florida in terms of the quality of talent they produce. So, this is an elite, elite, elite quarterback. I would say coming up. I mean, he he definitely is rated higher than Anthony Richardson. Um, the physical, oh yeah. Oh the physical yeah. Physical no, capabilities. Definitely. The ability to like to to truck guys and run them over is probably not there, but he's he's pretty fast. Um, maybe maybe comparable speed with with Richardson, and he's he's just more experienced. Like he comes. To the SEC level with more of a pocket presence, I feel like he has more of a grip on on going through his reads than Richardson did as a true freshman, for sure, when he came in in 2020. So, I mean, when when Graham Merch departs and the, the ball gets turned over to Lagway in 2025, I think he'll be ready as as a, as a sophomore. So, this is a quarterback that I think can make that much of a difference for Florida. I just think LJ McCray is every bit as as talented in a different way, obviously, with different skills on the defense.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that Lagway is just a generational player, like you said. And for me, that's why he's the best overall talent. I think he can win the Heisman. I think he could I think he could transform the program. Like he's he's like he's Billy's ace in the hole. Yeah. That, that this is his there would be no hope for Billy Napier if he didn't have DJ Lagway right now. And McCray. None. Well, yeah, but I mean, right. like even more you, you so. Need, you like you need
1: a defensive equivalent of that.
0: You do, but and I get that. But a quarterback yeah. truly changes. No, I, I I your agreed. fortune as a program. I mean, Urban Meyer doesn't win two national championships without Tim Tebow. Right. Dabo never becomes Dabo without Deshaun Watson. He then he probably doesn't get Trevor Lawrence. Jimbo Fisher is a journeyman head coach if he doesn't have Jameis Winston. It, it it matters like the quarterback position matters and if you keep Lagway if Napier finds a way to win 7-8 games next year stays and then brings in an elite class next year or hits on the portal in some way like then like things change quickly for Florida and I think that he gives you that ability to do it that's the kind of player he is so i think for that that's the reason why you have to say he's the best overall talent in the class and I would say the best overall talent in the country.
1: Certainly has an argument for it.
0: Yeah. All right, Neil. Well, I think that about does it. Well, I, before we go, want to update the fans on a little bit of news. The, there are reports circulating this evening that Mark hockey is going to be. Uh, in a new role next year as the strength and conditioning coach at Florida. That was confirmed by Billy Napier this evening. In his press conference, he has been with Billy Napier ever since his first season at the University of Louisiana. He came here with him at the University of Florida. You know, I think this is a move that a lot of fans sort of were hoping for and expected that the strength and conditioning program had not yielded the results that they were looking for. So now Florida will be looking for new leadership in that. Uh, And we don't know exactly what his title will be yet. Remains to be seen. But Mark Hockey will not be leading strength and conditioning. Neil, quick reaction on that.
1: I mean, I think it's needed. I think we all saw how Florida looked gassed by the fourth quarter. Um, I don't think that that was the biggest issue with the Gators this past year, but it was definitely not a strength for the Gators the way it certainly seemed to be with Nick Savage. Um, Speaking of which, I would love to have him back. I don't think they're going to go after him, but. I would, I would love him back um, for what it's worth, but no, I mean, I think Florida is going to go after maybe someone on, on the Crimson Tide staff in Tuscaloosa. I think that's the, the direction they're kind of leaning, but um, I, I like hockey personally. I mean, he's, you know, he seems to have the good energy on the sideline, getting the fans riled up on third downs. Um, and just, it's just a matter of results and he, he didn't really provide them.
0: Yeah, did not provide them, and it's a results-driven business. If you don't get it done, you don't get it done. There also are reports uh, today that Florida has their defensive line coach. He has not been announced yet by the school, but the rumor is Gerald Chapman has emerged as the top target to replace Sean Spencer at defensive line, former staffer at LSU under Ed Ogeron. He is an ex-Colorado interim defensive coordinator and currently at Tulane which has had some success over the last couple of years as coach two all AAC. Those are American athletic conference players. It's not a, it's not a power five, Uh, somebody with power five experience. Certainly not somebody coming from the power five, not the splash hire that I think a lot of Gator fans were hoping for. I think there were the rumors when their Ed Ogeron was out there, they got excited, but this is a hire that does come with a solid pedigree has the seal of approval from a proven defensive line coach who we just talked about. And Ed Orgeron was on his staff. Known as a guy that can be a good recruiter. So we'll have to wait and see. I, and you know, I think fans have to realize, too, it's going to be difficult to attract top-end mm-hmm. talent if you don't have you know, a, a coach who may be a lame duck. And that that's sort of what Florida's facing right now in all reality. But Gerald Chapman is the candidate. We'll do a little more research on him. I'm sure Neil will be dropping an article when that news does officially drop. So make sure to tune into allkindsweather.com for all that information as it comes. Tune into our website allkindsweather.com tonight to get a recap of all of the signing day and everything we talked about this evening on this show. If you have not already, please hit like and subscribe down below. Leave a comment on your thoughts of the recruiting class, what Billy Napier and the guys need to do in order to get ready for the 2024 season. And if you are listening on any audio format, please rate and review a show. We would appreciate a five-star rating. Helps us reach all of Gator Nation and bring you all even better content. All right, Neil. Well, I think that about does it for this evening. Go Gators. We will continue to bring you updates as they come. But today, that caps it for another early signing day in 2024. For all of you out there listening, have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all of you this coming weekend. And we will see you the next time here on the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast.